Welcome to the Lobot Lounge, the gathering place for the gentlemen nerds. The gentlemen nerds are three entertainment aficionados who know each other through various media endeavors, getting together to talk about all things nerdy, mostly in the vein of film, television, toys, and popular culture. Many topics are discussed, so please be warned, there are the potential for many spoilers. If you like what you hear, you can listen to past shows on iTunes or on our website, thegentlemennerds.com. And now, enjoy the show. The Empire has fallen, but as with any radical, militarized, authoritarian rule, it doesn't just go away overnight. On the outskirts of the galaxy, we meet a bounty hunter known as the Mandalorian, Din Jarin, a foundling raised by an extremist group of Mandalorians known as the Watch. In season one, a target is revealed to be an alien infant, and once delivered to his employers for nefarious medical purposes, Din decided to break his bounty hunter guild code and reclaim the child. Now, on the run from the remnants of Imperial forces led by the sinister Moff Gideon, the Mandalorian searches the galaxy for a way to return the child to his own kind, an ancient race of sorcerers known as Jedi. Gathered here in the Lobot Lounge once again to discuss season two of The Mandalorian are Mark Finn, Mon Calamari, Aaron Diarive. It is the way. And I am Joseph Fotinos, your host and emotional touchstone. Welcome back to the Lobot Lounge and the Gentleman Nerds. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's one, been too long. It's been it's too been long. Too, one last, hopefully, uh, maybe not the last, but uh, one last episode before the end of the year. Mm. Uh, and boy, uh, we, we uh, man, what a what a thing! Holy smoke! I I'm so happy that we're talking about this because yeah. we we have we are no stranger the three of us to Star Wars conversations, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, uh, th that's certainly been part of our uh, our creative and personal DNA uh, as it, it being the ages that we are. And, uh, you know, I was ready and I know I said it out loud that I was prepared to take a break from Star Wars after Episode nine came out. I was yeah. I was glad it was over. I was excited to be uh, done with it, ready for the for something else and and not really particularly excited for what came next because there wasn't really a, any knowledge of that. All of that has changed. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. am, I am seven years old again, and I am circling the Sears uh, Christmas catalog uh, toy section with giant red uh, magic yeah. markers going, yeah. I want that, and I want that, and I want <laughs> yeah. this, and yeah. two of those. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It oh, is, amen. It is, it is amen. very impressive. In fact, I I was considering bu uh, buying the Lego Razor Crest just so I could destroy it into a zillion pieces. Oh, oh, why? Too soon? Too soon? Yeah, yes, yes. I, the, pain, I, the pain is still fresh. Yeah. I loved I loved that ship design. I like and I liked it because it was uh, intentionally clunky. It wasn't trying to look sexy. I like the fact that he had to keep. Uh, patching it back together like it was it was sort of a double down on what the original idea for the falcon was you know uh, sure. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that they just, just obliterated it, like not even, I mean, like there were like, like pieces left, not even like chunks, <laughs> no. just like, like oh, yeah. handfuls. I was so bummed. I was like, oh. uh, what's he going to do? I was yeah. miserable. Oh. We might, we might, we might have jumped the gun on that one. I apologize, but I'd like to, if we can, I'd like to go through the episodes of the season Ooh, and, yes. and it'll help us, uh, I think, you know, in our, in our discussions here, um, I sort of tried to set up the, the opening, uh, with the opening as best I could for season one, there's a lot more to season one, but we've already talked about that. Um, so in chapter 10, the first episode of season two, uh, the passenger, the Mandalorian, um, takes uh, on a mission to take a unique alien known as the Frog Lady and her eggs from Tatooine <laughs> to Trask uh, in exchange for a lead on other Mandalorians that might help him find the Jedi, or at least the, you know, the, the Grogu's people is, is he's looking for. Of course, oops, I said the word. We don't know his name yet. He's still the child. Um, <laughs> Right. So, so we get this great, uh, this great character, this great uh, frog alien female character with this tank of eggs that she's protecting, the last of her species, apparently. Um, and, well, and it's, I think they said specifically her line. Her and line, so you're right. It's, it's right. unclear if it's her family or her, her, her pod or what. We're not real sure. Yeah, right. I, I gathered it was her specific lineage, her, her family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they when they arrive, um, <laughs> when they arrive on that uh, on that planet, if I if I don't mis- if I'm not mistaken, they have the, uh, the 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 fun bit of um, you know the swarm like spider creatures on that oh. uh, on that horrible planet that they were stuck on, um, and then of course we've got the um, the the cameo by the two X wing pilots, including Mr. Dave Filoni, yes. uh, who. You know, hats off to that man. I, I, my, my son Edward and I were big fans of Filoni because we watched the Clone Wars and we used to see interviews with him all the time. And, and Edward actually made a little Dave Filoni Lego figure to go with his Star Wars. He gave him a little hat and everything. Was like, this is Dave Filoni. That's how much he knew who he was. You know? That's great. And, and by the way, let me, let me interrupt just briefly because the actual first episode, which which I really like uh, of season two, is oh, the, the Marshall. Is You're the right. Marshall. That's and right. it's I really ahead, important yeah. that we talk about that because yes, oh, yes. Boba makes a lot more sense when we talk about the Marshal. Yes, my apologies. I for some reason I went to the passenger. The Marshal was the first one, and that's where he goes to Tatooine first. Yes, because we get to see um, uh, Amy Sedaris's character again in that one. Yep. Uh, and then he hooks up with uh, Timothy Oliphant, who plays oh, Cobb Vanth, the, the Marshal. Yeah. And uh, the, the Marshal of the title. For Deadwood fans, it is a wonderful tip of the hat. Mm. Uh, for for justified fans, it's a <laughs> wonderful tip of the hat that yes. o- Oliphant is going to be eighty and still playing Western character martial <laughs> life guys, which yeah. he absolutely is. Totally, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. And he's so wearing good. very familiar armor, isn't he? Yes, that's what that was the thing that uh, that caused the interwebs to to explode last year. Yeah, was the notion that that uh, that they were going to recast. Uh, uh, Boba Fett as you know with Timothy Oliphant uh, and then somebody quickly you know sp- said no he's wearing Boba's armor yeah but but he's not Boba Fett and and right. everybody kind of went mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know that we were quite ready for what we got that was man yeah. something else well the uh, first time we actually saw a crate dragon alive we saw uh, a skeleton in a new hope or a skeleton of a crate dragon in a new right. hope 
Mm-hmm. But this is the first time we actually saw a crate dragon. So holy moly, those things are horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, they did a great job. Tatooine is a horrible job. place to live. You know, it is. It, it's the Australia of the galaxy. <laughs> it's always so, it so yeah, everything there's ready to kill you or poisonous or both. Um, the the crate dragon is one of those apocryphal things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the. Uh, in the in the shooting script and in the novelization and in the comic book, uh, when uh, Ben rescues uh, Luke from the Sand People, uh, he he's making that that noise uh, and uh, which uh, only changed like a dozen times. I mean, that's, right. that, that's right. one of the running gags for 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 a group of us is that oh, what sound will the crate? What will Ben make now? Is the crate right. dragon uh, in this <laughs> new version? Because it's always it is it's always different. It is always different. But they never. But they never mention it in the movie. But but if you've read the you know if you've read anything else uh, Star Wars, then yeah. then you know yeah. And so uh, for for them to not only name check the dragon, but to but to really like give it to us, yeah. uh, that's a, a, another. I think it's a perfect example of of uh, the way that they did really the whole show so far, which is you know take the things that. That that were sort of forgotten about, yeah. and 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 reuse them in a in an interesting way that g- gives them resonance. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I and by the way, what uh, I, I do want to get into. The, oh, go, I'm sorry. Go I ahead. I was going to say about about uh, in, in this particular episode in the Marshall when he finds that Cobb Vanth is wearing Mandalorian armor or Mandalorian armor and is not a true Mandalorian. In fact, he, when the minute he takes his helmet off. We still we see this through the entire season. This is like the first of a running series of moments for Din, because he was raised by the Watch, and they're incredibly strict. You know, this is the way. Never taking the helmet off, and that's the way we are. So he he encounters multiple characters in this season wearing Mandalorian armor that yank yank the helmet off, and he yeah. <laughs> he responds as if just like anyone who had a religion or a belief. And then that belief is cracked and shattered a little bit more, a little bit more this way, that way. He's, And as an actor, uh, Pedro is doing such an amazing job in conveying that when we do see his face. Uh, but even his body language, too. There's a, there's a moment or two where he's – I'm trying to think of a, of a good comparison. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a, a strict, you know, a, a Hasidic Jew walks in and he sees another Hasidic Jew. But then the Hasidic Jew takes off his hair curls because they're just clip-ons and he tosses them <laughs> off to the side. And the guy goes, what the hell? You know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That yeah. Level of, you know. Yeah. Well, and the watch he keeps being taken aback. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the watch is established. I mean, for those who you have to watch, that's another thing, right? There's so much of this that is a love letter to fans who have watched the Clone Wars, who've watched Rebels, uh, who've read some of the comics and 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 some of the other material. Uh, it really <laughs> is. It is. It is sort of a a wonderful tip of the hat to all of that. If you are just a casual Star Wars fan, you will still love it. You'll still enjoy it. But for those, those, it's a deep dive for those hardcore Star Wars fans yeah. uh, to bring all this stuff uh, to the forefront. But the Watch are fanatics. The Watch are absolute fanatics. Yeah. Uh, even to other Mandalorians, you know, even on Mandalore, uh, they were they were this extremist group 
and and they they like like Joseph said they never took their armor off they lived by a very rigid code you know even like it's like would be it'd be like having an extremist samurai where the other samurai are like dude chill out right. <laughs> God, have some sake don't you know um, so so it is so it, it they it was a good choice you know I applaud Dave Filoni I applaud Jean Favreau. Um, this is going to be a, a theme throughout this entire uh, podcast that they are truly the architects of something magnificent, something that I think fans have been waiting a long time for. And Filoni has already proven that he can do this with the Clone Wars, right? He took the, the prequels, which at the time were maligned and people didn't like them and they were dumb and all this. And after the Clone Wars, there's, there was a sense of like, okay, well, well, maybe the prequels weren't that bad, but it was just that there, there's context. He builds up on something that might have been a five-second scene in, in one of the prequel movies. He makes he devotes an entire episode or, or an entire plot line to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we fans understand it and are immersed in it and are presented with fantastic characters, because that's really what those shows are about. Uh, yeah. Clone Wars and Rebels are first and foremost, just like the Star Wars movies, by the way, the original, about the characters. Mm-hmm. When you care about the characters, you care about what they're doing. Yeah. So, so I, I love, I love that that thread that Filoni and Fevreau have have continued. They're, it's like they're weaving a tapestry and they're getting the threads of all the different series and they're and they're making it into this beautiful, beautiful piece for us yeah. to go, oh, I see, I see now. It's yeah. not just a bunch of frayed pieces of fabric. It's it's a beautiful piece. So anyway. Yeah. It does it does remind me very much of the imagination that we would have as kids playing with our Star Wars toys and going outside the realm of the universe that we know, uh, you know, and having adventures outside of the canon. We just made our own stuff up, but yeah. we, were pretty, yeah. we were pretty uh dedicated to, you know, the character. We knew what Luke was like. We knew what Han was like. We knew what Chewie was like. You know, we, we knew these characters so we could have adventures when they go off and do whatever else. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we didn't go outside that realm. We didn't we didn't disturb ourselves by going. Now Luke's gonna you know kill this Jawa. You know he's not gonna do that. You know. No. Right. One of one of my all time favorite play sets of all time ever was the was the Cantina. Oh yeah. You know, uh, and, and the aliens that were in it because uh, they were blank canvases really. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I could yeah I could come up with names. I could do what I wanted with them. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Uh, it's it's it it was good to see. So, Speaking uh, so, of like so canvas, yes. we do get to play around in the world of the Tuscan Raiders in that episode of the movie. Oh, yes. yes, they be, they come off less like crazy fanatic mutants that live in a, in a in a Wes Craven film, and more like American Indians living in tribes and having their own language and cultures and honors and you know things like that. That 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 yeah. I really appreciated that. Yeah, yes, I did yeah. too. Uh, and and I kept thinking about you, Aaron, uh, every time uh, they would make an appearance, because uh, I kept thinking those are not tool using bears. Yeah, those yeah. are no, those are not tool using bears. Yeah. The marshal, the marshal establishes definitively that Tuscan Raiders are not evil bears. Right. Um, and that's fantastic. And and yes, in fact, now as a result, I never looked into this before. As a result of the marshal. Uh, and the showing the Tusken Raiders, I started looking more into them. And so in Star Wars canon, 
um, you know, it, it, the, the comparison to Native Americans is correct. They, yeah. they are the indigenous people of Tatooine, even before Tatooine became a desert planet. Right. Oh, cool. um, and they have adapted themselves uh, because there, there was an ecological disaster. Uh, they were breaking apart into different tribes. Um, different things were happening with the different factions and the wars and all that. And and yeah, so when when you see a, a Tuscan Raider with his with his wrappings and his little weird goggle eyes, and that they they are the original indigenous people of that planet. Cool. Yeah. Um, so so uh, and, and of course, Filoni knowing that and Favreau knowing that they ran with it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. these are Native Americans. Well, let's let's treat them like like the way. And in fact, that's exactly how the town views them the town it was like straight out of a western i mean the whole show is like a western yeah. and we've talked about that but yeah. yes this was the episode where the where the where the settlers are fighting with the with yeah. the, 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 the native american indians and mm -hmm. and there's tension and they hate each other and then they're forced to work together to overcome you know some right. some problem that faces both of them right. yes <laughs> um so, so then after that, we have chapter ten, the passenger, which which I, I mentioned erroneously earlier out of out of out of order. But that's where we we take the frog lady uh, from from Tatooine to Trask, right? Uh, in exchange for a lead on other Mandalorians, um, the X-wing pilots intercept him. They have an arrest warrant because of his prison break in chapter six of season one, um, and then of course the spider creatures, um, and then the charges are oh. dropped. They fix the razor crest but it's barely able to fly so it completes the mission and uh it brings the frog lady now in that episode the only thing that i can remember frankly it was a good episode but it didn't really stand out like the other ones did um i like the frog lady but of course i think the big thing was that poor baby yoda or the child kept eating the eggs and <laughs> that was frankly disturbing <laughs> yeah I... and by the way that is worthy of a discussion Let, let's let's okay. discuss that a little bit because okay. uh, that, that is the first episode where Baby Yoda went from just sort of being a cute little creature to something that I found incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that was honestly, the passenger was the first time that Baby Yoda became a character, not just a prop. Okay. Um, okay. And, and, and it was because he was eating the eggs. It was because... Uh, uh, you got to see a, a side of this because I mean this little creature is all id right now. It's nothing but id, and it runs around and it's hungry and it wants food uh, and and it wants to play with things and and you know it's very much a child. Um, and I think they've been playing with this all along, certainly in season one, uh, showing you that Mando in season one is not a terribly good parent. Oh. He's 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 watching after the kid. He's making sure the kid doesn't kill himself. But that's all. He, that's the, he's doing the bare minimum that a parent would do to teach and nurture uh, a child. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so without any guidance, without anybody telling him otherwise, he's hungry. These eggs smell good. Hell, I like a good breakfast taco. Right. And, right. and he's, he's gobbling these things. And, and, you know, Mando keeps saying, no, no, don't do that. Don't. Right. No, yeah, that, that's wrong. Come here. Come here. He picks him up and he scoops up and takes him away. But that's it. That's all he says. No, no, no. And then so Baby Yoda's like, okay, I'm going to go back and have some more eggs. Those are good. <laughs> um, so, so I love because in, in, in then and then the later in later in the episode, I think it yeah. might have been in the in the second the next one, uh, we see Baby Yoda with the frog family mm -hmm. sitting there looking at a hatched egg, a little tadpole, and Baby Yoda's not trying to eat it. 
Right. He's interacting with it. And the frog parents are clearly guiding him and teaching him and showing him, look, this is this is a little living thing. And, and baby Yoda is fascinated. He's, he's reaching out and he's looking at the parents and he's learning. He is learning. He's observing them. They're teaching him. And, and that, again, these are not accidental scenes. These, mm -hmm. these things don't happen just by chance. They are specifically scripted and plotted. And so that is the writers telling you, okay, here's what he needs. He needs guidance. He needs parents. He needs somebody that's going to show him right from wrong. That was the <laughs> beginning of that. Yeah. And you don't get that. The impact of that is missing if you don't see him eating the eggs in the previous episode. So I, you need you need that scene. I, I you know he he eats frogs in the uh, in season one. Yep. So I just didn't even I don't I I'm not really sure why the internet flipped out like it did. <laughs> I, I, I just I'm, remember some of the more hilarious theories. Oh, he was just he's protecting the eggs. I bet he's got he's swallowing them to to carry them in like a safety <laughs> yes. pouch. And he's gonna he's gonna regurgitate the eggs at the end when all the other eggs are destroyed, and it's gonna be uh, beautiful. No, sweet no, no. baby no. Jesus. No, no, no way. He just ate him. Wow. <laughs> he just ate him. He, he, now maybe not like he was how he was helping them uh, achieve the cycle of the force. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Everything uh, goes back to the force. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was because, and, and honestly, guys, I think this 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 proves this gives evidence to my to my point. Prior to that, Baby Yoda wasn't a character. He was a cute little thing. He was like a little dog that you carry around with you. Oh, look, he does tricks. Look, isn't that cute? Oh, he sounds so cute. And when he ate the eggs. Now suddenly people were like, oh, oh. Wait, wait a minute, this cute little teddy bear is doing something, you know, questionable? Yes, because he's a character with feelings and thoughts and, and motivations and drives. And so it was beautiful. I actually liked that there was a controversy, uh, a, a reaction to yeah. what he had done. And the fans were kind of shocked. And I, inside, I'm thinking, yes, God, Filoni, Favreau, you guys are geniuses. You maybe know that, exactly. Maybe, yeah, maybe that was the point. Maybe the point was to was to was to invoke a little uh, a little gray into the black and white world of Star yep. Wars. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I think it was I, just an attempt to make it seem that this he's not just a goddamn little prop that squeals. That's not what he is. Um, I, I just so, feel like a monster because I kind of didn't care. I, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, really, I didn't, I, I, you know, for, I was, I, I'm team, I'm team Grogu. So I, for, so eat the eggs. I don't care. <laughs> you know, uh, it's an imaginary creature on an imaginary world. Uh, I'm not, uh, I have no investiture in this, you know, my, uh, so your family line ended. Sorry. Yeah. The ship got beat up by, by giant ice spiders. I mean, right. everybody has problems. Which, by the way, of course, as we all know, is a, is a Ralph McQuarrie design for Empire Strikes Back, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. I'm so glad that they reused those spiders. The original Ralph McQuarrie drawing uh, of Luke running, wandering around Dagobah encountering one of these. Beautiful, beautiful. Again, just more more hats off. To, I'm going to be constantly tipping my hat to Filoni and Favreau throughout this oh, entire they, thing. They, they, but don't they, you think, they, okay, they, Mark, but don't you think, Mark, uh, uh, you know, you, as much as you didn't care and it didn't matter to you, yeah, eat the eggs, whatever, don't you think the writers having him eat the eggs was for some purpose? Like they oh, I think had him it was, do that for some reason? Uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't want to get 
too far into their heads. Right. But but I do think that um, it was uh, an escalation of of his behavior in season one. And so I think there's there's a little bit more impetus, you know, you know, the Mandalorian sees that he's eating the eggs and he's trying real hard not to, you know, you, know, you got to stop doing that, kid. You know, this is a problem. Uh, and I think that's just sort of, um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, I'm not set up to take care of this, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I and, and I'm not saying there's nothing else to it, but th- what that was how I read it, his frustration and and he's a very put upon character because you know nothing ever goes right, right? Right. Um, that was my my line at the opening of the episode. You know, <laughs> gets in the cockpit and looks at uh, at the web work that's been used to stitch <laughs> the ship back together, and he goes, "Mon Calamari." You know, I mean, and it's yeah. so funny to me because you know uh, we only have one opinion of them, or two, if you watched Clone Wars. Right. Uh, but uh, I love the idea that that uh, whatever his situation is, he's going to come out on the bottom half of it, you know. Right. Right. So, so so that was I, I felt like that was part of um, uh, part of the, the the setup that they're that they've been using for him. So yeah. anyways, but but no, but but that's astute because I think I think the, the point that you just made is really that story was about Mando and that's correct. That is correct. Having baby Yoda eat the eggs is not a comment on baby Yoda as much right. as it is showing us what it is that Mando either is faced with and is doing right or is not doing right. Yeah. Well, they're, giving it, they're giving it a fatherly responsibility. I mean, yeah, right. they go, no, no, don't do that. They, they, they built the father-son relationship in season one. In season two, it really hammers it home. I mean, he's... Yeah. In fact, at the end of season one, they they basically the armorer declares that that the the, the child is a foundling, just like yeah. you are. Right. And so and, guess and, what? And they're and Yo. they're now a clan. Yeah. yeah that was the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was the big the big the reveal of the big solidif- you know solidification there at the end between the two of them. And so season two, it is it's father and son. It is it is a uh, you know lone wolf and cub. We knew it was, but it really is. I mean, it's yeah. it's really going in that way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move us along here to our next episode, the heiress. Which uh, we are introduced to uh, three Mandalorians, apparently, led oh, by Bo-Katan, yes. led by Katie Sackhoff, who was the former ruler of Mandalore, who lost her planet and her Darksaber to Moff Gideon. Now, a- again, we see the removal of helmets and, and Mandalore and Mando Din jumping back going, what are you doing? Taking helmets off. You're not even Mandalorians. This is crazy. And then she had to kind of be like, no, I, we are real Mandalorians, just like we're probably more Mandalorian than you are. Yeah, they are. Right. <laughs> they you know, are you're actually born on Mandalore and you are not. Yeah. So, but, uh, it, so it's a very interesting episode, um, you know, to have the three characters, uh, and then they, 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 add, they get him to help them, uh, take out an Imperial transport or something of that sort. So they can, uh, find out where Moff Gideon is. Cause they're trying, her, her deal is she needs to have that dark saber. Now we saw the dark saber at the end of season one, uh, when Moff Gideon uh, uh, cut his way out of a, a crash Tie Fighter with it. Yeah. Um, and we and those people who watch Clone Wars know the dark saber. We've seen it before. We know the rules behind it, so we shouldn't be surprised by what happens towards the end of the season. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it it is a it's a great episode because it really kind of establishes and moves. I think the season toward its inevitable conclusion. The rest of that was kind of getting there, journey, adventure. 
now we're here. We're, we're actually into the into the meat of this, I think. Yeah, With, this was yeah, this was the first episode where I felt like um, plot uh-huh. uh, took took precedent over character and story. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way either. I think that, um, uh, I, I love the characterization that they've been building, but this is the first time we have a different point of view than the Mandalorians. You know, uh, this is the first time we have somebody else who, you know, not him and not the armor who can, who can say with some assur- uh, authority, you know, uh, what's what. And so, uh, that's been that was that was really cool to see and and I loved the uh, the interplay. I like the I like the fact that they that uh, Bo-Katan and uh, her followers were uh, a, a a little bit more loosey goosey. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, Mando's kind of got a stick up his butt, and uh, it was kind of cool to see uh, to to see some some run and gun Mando Mandalorian yeah. then rather than just him you know which is which was a which I guess does speak to plot and character but uh our char- but the story is has, it, it, it really moves ahead on this yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah because I mean because he is the ultimate you know go back to the samurai comparison right he is the ultimate practicer of bushido. it's almost like you see these guys, right? They're like normal knights. They're like normal knights just hanging around going, now we've got a job to do. Oh, we've got to take that castle? Okay. And then they come across Lancelot. And they go, oh, hey, you. (laughs) You can be helpful. We need you. I'm Lancelot, and I never back down from defeat, and I am a great, yeah, great, great. We love all that. We love all that. Good energy. Now we're going to go take that castle. Uh, (laughs) and, and, And I love that because it does contrast the Mandalorian philosophy, which is really what Mando was embracing, versus yeah. just Mandalorians. We're from this planet. We have a history. We have, you know, these things that we're trying to do. Um, and it is. It is a good way to show us that what Mando is, is goes even beyond just being a Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, Mando is a fanatic. He's a uh, zealot. Right, he's, he's a zealot. Yeah, he's, he's a, a zealot. zealot. There you go. Uh, yeah. and, 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 but it's interesting that the other Mandalorians see that, recognize that, and say, this guy can be helpful. This guy can be really <laughs> yeah. helpful for our right. cause. Um, right. So, yeah, I loved it. I think uh, Katie Sackhoff did a fantastic job uh, as Bo-Katan. Uh, always uh, see her in genre roles. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and I believe she voices the character also. She voiced the character in, in Clone Wars, the, yes. the, the animated. Yes. Um, so wonderful continuity there. And uh, and again, she's she's totally embraced the role, and I've always loved Katie Zakoff uh, from anyway back in the yeah in the sure. Battlestar Galactica days. Um, and so so yeah yeah I that that I mean that episode was sort of to me one of the fluffier ones. Hey, let's we're just gonna go take this transport. Okay, let's go take a transport. Although although what Mark said is true, it advances the plot. It's a big plot advancement. Yeah. Um, yes. But as far as what they're doing, what 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 is being developed now, it's 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 a big action scene, right? It's one long protracted action, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I I, I said it advanced the plot too, you know. Okay. Anyway. And, and, and as Martin <laughs> Joseph pointed out, it advanced. The plot. Just saying, I'm here. I'm here. No, you did. You did. Um, uh, so no, so I while, I was actually that, very far. Um, and, and I want to also say that anytime I see Imperials in this show, like these guys on the Imperial freighters. I'm just I'm reminded of the, um, you know, the, the, the I'm reminded of the Harkonnens, frankly. This is something that my wife brought up when we were mm. watching this. Just because the Harkonnens left uh, uh, Arrakis doesn't mean they're gone. But you got to root them out. They're still there. 
Right. They're they're in all the nooks and crannies. You know, I'm using a Dune reference here, but you know, they keep popping up, and you're like, didn't we beat you guys? Yeah, okay, you blew up the Death Star. Great, Emperor's dead. Super. Doesn't mean we're, <laughs> we're done. These guys right. are are they are the Nazis. They are the Proud Boys. They are these guys walking around going, we are better than you, and we're going to take back what's rightfully ours. And, the, and- fanatics, the fanatics in the cockpit. You know, the two guys are kind of unsure. Hey, what are we doing here? And then there was the one guy who was good. Okay, I'm going to shoot you both. Bam, bam. You know, shoot my own guys. I've got a poison tooth or an electric tooth that's going to kill me if I need to. So Nazi. He's so Nazi. Oh, it is. You know? Titus Welliver, uh, another one of my favorites. Uh, yes. He was in Deadwood, and he's on he's on Bosch uh, on Amazon. Uh, great character actor. Uh, really like him in everything he I see him in as well. Uh, he's in the, he's there's a Marvel lot of universe crossover. Mark, I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of uh, Deadwood actors that have done crossovers into Mandalorian. Oh yeah, yeah. So Bo-Katan tells the Mandalorian to seek out her old Jedi ally, Ahsoka Tano. Corvus. So the next episode, the siege. <laughs> as if, oh. as if it couldn't get any better. And we knew, we knew that that Rosario Dawson was cast as Ahsoka. It was announced, so we were just kind of waiting on, on you know, pins and needles. Again, growing up watching Clone Wars, watching how she, her fighting style, the two lightsabers, the way her, she holds it kind of backwards with her hand, and the way that episode opens in the mist with just her lightsabers appearing and disappearing. <laughs> As she runs through these these, yes. these troopers, oh my so good. god, so oh good, that's amazing, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, her and by the way, the action. siege is another like like the heiress. I think the siege was another like just long protracted action sequence. Uh, again, not that there weren't important plot stuff. I mean, Filoni and Favreau were too good not to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly one of those like, all right, here we go. Here's another. And by the way, great. That is what Star Wars should be. You know, yeah. Star Wars yeah. is big, long uh, action set pieces right. sewn together by moments of characters talking, you know. Right. The siege <laughs> is when, you're right, the siege is when he, he reunites with, with Grief Karga and, and Cara Dune. And, and, and they've turned the planet around and they have this whole, like, uh, 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 the Imperial scientist involving the child. That's actually a very important episode because they do find out in that one that the child's blood has been transfused to clones, yep. supposedly giving them force sensitivity. Yep. And why, oh, why would they be doing that? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Oh, well, uh, I mean, you, you, even the clone in the tank looks like Snoke. I mean, yeah. it even looks like Snoke. Yeah. And again, that's not accidental. Right. It's not. It's not. So that was that was the siege. I'm sorry. The Jedi, Chapter 13, we get to see Ahsoka finally when yes. she gets to, um, to Corvus. And boy, we are in a Japanese film at that point. Everything yeah. about the episode of the Jedi, from the the sparse trees, the background, the castle, the interior garden, the poor people living outside, you know, it was it was an incredible homage to, you know, uh, Japanese samurai films. Yeah, coming into the town. It, it really was. It was Yojimbo. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, Even certain shots were Yojimbo of her walking. Oh. Yeah, with the town above her, and yeah, the, standing there looking up at the at the at the castle parapets and talking to uh, 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 the um, what's her name, the imperial magistrate of the city, um, Elspeth. Yes. Elspeth. Yeah. She. Uh, I, I. I thought Rosario Dawson did a great job. Uh, I. I'm. This was the first episode where we really got to see, you know these sorcerers right you know because mm-hmm. at this point you know I, at this point i've bought so much of the premise in that i'm kind of nervous about 
meeting a Jedi because uh, I don't know what this is going to go like. Right. And so it was it was really great to see um, to be on the outside looking in uh, f- from this. And and I, I think that um, Jedi in this show is is a whole lot like uh, Thai food in your uh, monthly lunch rotation. A little goes a long way, yes. you know. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. you want, you know, you just want to, you want to pick a, a certain day and that's what we're doing. But right. then the rest of the month, you want to keep it simple with burgers and, <laughs> and sushi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, but, but, but boy, what an introduction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it was, it was stuff we hadn't seen before, which is great. Uh, not live action anyways. It was stuff right. that we hadn't seen before. It was also, uh, this is a, this is a more, um, I, you, you can definitely the the aggression that she exhibits. Uh, if you've watched the Clone Wars, you know where it comes from. Yeah. But if you haven't, it comes off as like, wow, she's really mad about something. She's kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and 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 you know, a Jedi craves not these things. Oh, actually, she does. She craves it. Yeah, she's yeah. she's kind of into, into it. So. Yeah. Uh, that was that was the what, what for was the most fun for me was was getting to see a different Jedi. This is the first different Jedi we've seen for yeah. realsies mm-hmm. since the Phantom Menace. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was that was fun. No, the, the the image of her coming out of the mist, right? Not only just her attack on the guards, which was brilliant. Uh, you know, she's like a ninja, and then she comes out of the mist. And and like like Joseph was just saying, they're up on the parapet and they're talking with her. I the only thing that was missing was the wonderful music by you know Ma- Masaru Satu uh, from yeah, right. from Yo that the only thing that was missing. I was like, oh my god, I am in. I am in a Star Wars fucking samurai movie. I'm in a Kurosawa samurai yeah. movie, a, a, a Star Wars movie, and it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, the huge things are revealed in the Jedi. Yes, we 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 learn from Ahsoka, who sits down with 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 the child one on one in this beautifully lit moonlit forest with a fire, uh, and and wonderful use the shots. force. Oh gosh, wonderful to, shots to commune with him. We learn that that the child is a former Jedi youngling who was in fact on Coruscant in the Jedi Temple during the Great Jedi Purge. He survived Order sixty six. Somehow was spirited it out of Coruscant. Yeah. We know his name now is Grogu. Yes. Baby Yoda, but Grogu. Yes. And that he has been suppressing his force powers over the years to survive. He's trying to hide because he's scared. Much fear, she says. Much fear, I sense in him. Yeah. Because he's terrified of what, yeah. after all, I can imagine, is he hiding under the chair while Anik, while Vader is killing all the younglings in the room? I mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, who <laughs> wouldn't be? Poor little guy. What a terrifying thing to have witnessed. Yeah, you talk about that, and the sand people feel the same way. I'm just saying, the sand people feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't want they, any of that. <laughs> they could relate with Grogu, yeah. Right? No. Oh, yeah. We don't want that guy. Um, <laughs> so, um, I love the training sequences, again, reflective of Yoda and um, Dagobah with the rocks, trying to get Goku to float things back and forth. And then, again, father-son, he's not listening to me. You do it and and offer him something he really wants. And then he pulls out the the knob from from the Razor Crest. What a great moment. Yeah, such a wonderful – it's not even – you know, it's it's almost an insult to call it a callback because it's so – 
it's so obvious, but at the but but it's somebody else might not have used it. You know, that's what was. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I feel like they're 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 being very um, economical with with all of these elements. You know, they're they're using and reusing these things, and uh, every time they do, uh, it gets a little bit more of a patina on it. You know, it gets a little bit more uh, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, so nice to see that, uh, uh, come full circle. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I did have a moment of, of digital eye rolling, uh, the week after that episode aired and somebody on somebody else's, uh, Facebook feed was like, uh, am I the only one that sees a real Quentin Tarantino kill bill reference to all of this? Ooh. And 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 I well you know it's like yeah it's Kill Bill if you've never seen any other Asian martial arts movie ever in your life right. if that's the first one you've ever seen and don't know that Tarantino was referencing ten thousand things then then yes yeah, sh- by all means yes yeah. be be smart with your Kill Billness but uh, but yeah. but everybody else we you know and I and I don't think anybody really had a go at this person. I think everybody just kind of left that person in their standing in their digital corner going, so it was just me. What I, am I the only one? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I just, I had to, I had a, I had a cringing moment of like, I don't, it, life's too short to, yeah, right. to, to un, uncork. I'm just going to move away. Just <laughs> so, move just see, move away. I can, I can grow. I can change. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least, you know, here's what I appreciate about something like that is that, you know, we can see not only in Kill Bill, but in The Mandalorian, that that creators today, of course, are influenced by the amazing creators of the past, um, and all these uh, these images, these themes, these ideas, these story elements, these characters are recycled. They're yeah. recycled over and over and over and over again. But that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Uh, uh, we we like these things being adapted to to our our current situation, to yeah. our our era, our our set of ideals. Uh, you know, all that changes, but but these characters remain immortal. Um, and yeah. uh, and I love. I mean, Ahsoka, Ahsoka, like, and it's so funny because I'm I'm looking at the ratings for the episodes on IMDb, and it's no accident that the second to the highest rating is for the Jedi. People loved seeing Ahsoka. Uh, Star Wars fans were delighted to see her. And has a 9.5 rating. The highest rating, of course, uh, The Rescue with Mm -hmm. with Luke, 9.9. Wow. Um, And and, and again, I'll tie this into my, 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 because it will be a rant at the end of this as to why I think uh, this this should have been Star Wars all along. People should have been paying attention. But anyway, so yeah, so the Jedi, fantastic. I, I love and and we were introduced. And and by the way, um, my my roommate pointed this out, and, and I wonder if this was not an accident. They they introduced the concept of the spear, right? The 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 Beskar spear that that ends up being given to the Mandalorian. And and my roommate was saying, wait a minute. 
He played Oberon Martell in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, and he fought with a spear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I wonder if that's not a coincidence. If, if Pedro Pascal had training, they had trained him to fight with a spear, and they thought, well, let's use that. We don't have, we don't have to train him again. You know, he can just brush up on it. Let's there, give him a let's give him a Beskar spear. I, I, they're using every part of the tool using bear. That's what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, the final the final it. shot of that episode of the Jedi when when Ahsoka says to uh, the Mandalorian, "I cannot, I cannot take him. I can't train him, mm-hmm. but take him to the Seeing Stone on this old Jedi temple on Tython, where he yeah. can meditate and reach out through the Force and communicate with another Jedi." Uh, and choose his own destiny. So Mandalorian's walking back on the Razor Crest. He's got Grogu, what I call him Grogu now, on his yeah. shoulder, and he's looking at Ahsoka, and Ahsoka is looking at Grogu, and there is a moment between them, and Gro- and Ahsoka very slightly bows her head. Yeah. A little bit. Yes, it is. You know, and it's a beautiful moment for that, for those two characters, particularly yeah. because knowing what Grogu went through on the temple and knowing exactly who did it, and Ahsoka knows exactly who did it, Right. And she even references him in the conversation with with Din around the fire when she says, I've seen what it can do to the best of us, what fear yeah. and yeah. anger can do. And she pauses to the best of us. And yeah. that, my friends, is the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin, her former yeah. Padawan. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a gorgeous moment. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really appreciated the nod. I appreciated yeah. that moment. No, and by the way, and what that was, what that was is Yoda. Uh, I'm sorry, Grogu telling her, thank you. He said, thank you. And she nodded. Um, And so, yeah. And and so it's like, oh my God, wow. And again, that, that again helped to, to establish that Grogu is not just this little, you know, mewling creature. He has thoughts. He, 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 he can think things. He's, he's intelligent. He has desires. He has. And so, you know, it was wonderful to see, oh, he can speak. He can communicate. He he's has six he, in this. He's sixty years old. Grogu uh, is established as his age. Um, I wonder when they actually start learning common and can start talking <laughs> yeah, like Yoda. It's true. Yoda well, spoke and, and, by and the kind way, of a broken speak, but he spoke, he spoke. You know, and, and there's uh, speculation, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, even if Grogu, like, even if it trains with Luke for whatever the twenty years before Kylo destroys the Jedi Academy or whatever. No, still, no, it, we're not oh, joking. Uh, he's still a kid. He's still not. And I'm like, look, we don't know anything about how this species ages. The one thing we do know is that even at 900 years, a member of his species is still childlike and impish, and it giggles, and it and it's and it's kind of silly. Yoda was all those things, and he was 900 years old. So there's nothing to say that Grogu species don't always constantly sort of remain childlike. Uh, even if they're full mm-hmm. adults, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't have to necessarily, they don't age like we do. They're, they're not humans. And so they could be giggly and funny. And Yoda would sit there and he'd kick his little legs. And, That's not something right, <laughs> a, a, an adult does, but Yoda did. But you know, and it, so, it's, very, it's very Japanese too. The wise Japanese master yes. was always kind of a goofball. He yes, was always right. kind of uh, a joking Wise cracking, you know, Ooh, ah, you know which is why I, I do not I am not judging what Grogu is capable of or not capable of just based on his behavior on whether he acts like a little kid or not, because this little kid 
is incredibly powerful with the force and can do yeah. amazing things with the force. Uh, so anyway, anyway, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Do you remember in in, in season one, chapter five, the gunslinger, when Fennec Shand, played by Ming Na Wen, was shot and left for dead on Tatooine, and the very last shot of that show, we heard the familiar clink clink of some spurs and a pair of boots walking up to her, and we all said to ourselves, "Huh, I wonder if that is." Well, guess what? <laughs> Yeah. Chapter 14, the tragedy, we do find out, in fact, it was. Yeah. Because yeah. here he comes, folks. Back again. Uh, to Mira Morrison uh, as Boba Fett. Appears I'm so happy. On, yeah. And by the way, one. the third highest rating, yes. 9.3, oh. when Boba Fett returns. Again, not an accident. These, the fans are letting you know what they want. And what oh. Boba wants is his armor back because yeah. the Mandalorian did take the armor um, from uh, Cobb Vanth, from Timothy Elephant's character, and he has it on on the uh, Razor Crest. So Boba on Slave One, glorious to see that thing flying through the air again, yeah. and his new partner, uh, who he saved, Fennec Shand, who he saved uh, and gave her some robotics, very similar to Luke's hand, it looked like, right. uh, from the from the brief image we saw of her of her uh, open abdomen. Um, and basically says, I come for my armor, you know, please. And uh, yeah. Mandalorian's like, you're not a Mandalorian, and here we go again. Um, so we have to go through that. But then, of course, we get interrupted by a bunch of uh, stormtroopers and the, the Imperial Remnant, once again, from Gideon. Meanwhile, Grogu is sitting on the on his stone, meditating, sending out super waves of energy and force yep. power throughout yep. the universe, reaching out to other Jedis. Wow, what an episode. Yep. Yeah, I got to say... Um, this is another one of those where a lot of boxes get ticked at once. And, uh, it was, uh, I, maybe, maybe it was inevitable, you know, with the return of Boba Fett that we were going to, I like the fact that we don't have to, we don't have to, uh, revisit how we got out of the Sarlacc pit. We know, right. We're, I mean, we know, come on, you know, and, and if they've done anything, this uh, for these past two uh, seasons, it's demonstrate the durability of Beskar steel. So, uh, so this this makes perfect sense um, to me. But the the establishing Boba Fett's relationship, right, to the Mandalorian armor, you're a foundling, you know, yeah. uh, was was I think uh, was really good, but. Uh, and, and, and the, the little, uh, Karen, not Karen, but the, the circle of stones with the, mm -hmm. with the force happening as mm -hmm. well. That was another wonderful, um, uh, it, it, you know, we, we know this kind of power exists. We just haven't seen it yet. That's all been kind of low stakes for the most part. Mm -hmm. But, but the thing that just made me lose my mind was <laughs> watching Dave Filoni go, you know what we've never seen? <laughs> We've yeah. never seen Boba Fett go through his arsenal as described by Ralph McQuarrie in the Empire Strikes Back sketchbook. I yep. think people would like to see that. And yep. every one of us yeah. who owned that thing yep. as a kid and studied it, yep. as soon as the rocket shut off of the knees, I lost my <laughs> shit. I scared the dog. She ran into the other room. I was like, knee rockets! God, yes! I could not believe I was seeing this. It was, it was, it fulfilled uh, the uh, this promise that was made and then taken away from me. 
at the yeah. age of, of 11. I yeah. just was so, yeah. I couldn't believe that they did it. And not yeah. only did they do it, but there was something about him in the armor. It's like he came alive again, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was the gaffy sticks were fun. Oh, but, gaffy foo, gaffy stick foo, man! Boy, yeah, I tell you, to but, see that thing used the way it's supposed to be used was terrifying. Yes, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was that for me. That was uh, when I I realized I if I could marry Dave Filoni, I would. Yeah, yeah. again, uh, that was another moment of yeah. me looking up at the sky and going, "Thank you, John Favreau and Dave Filoni." <laughs> you know, I'm telling Very you, these two men. Something that, that that occurred to me, and 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 when I watched the episode, and Boba when he got his armor back and uh, revealed the um, how did he put it, his lineage that was encased in the armor, embedded in that armor from the yeah. yeah. and he showed his father Django, and of course him. Now Django was a Mandalorian, but a foundling like Din. Yes. Um, Boba was a clone of Django. Right. So, so not again. It does get a little nebulous here. Um, the clones. And this is where I love all the clones in the Clone Wars were clones of Jango Fett. They were all. If if Boba Fett is now, hey, I'm a Mandalorian because I'm a clone of a family, then every clone in the Clone Wars can say we were Mandalorians. We were clones of the family. Yeah, technically. And how and how beautifully and diabolically horrible of Palpatine to go, hmm, I wonder what the ancient enemy of the Jedi are doing these days. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'll make an army of them. And when yeah. I dispatch Order 66, the Jedi will be killed by the ancient enemy, the Mandalorians. It'll be glorious. If there's anything Palpatine, <laughs> there's anything Palpatine has, it's a sense of class. <laughs> wow. I mean, seriously. I mean, you got to think about that. When he, when he, when he issued Order 66, yeah. maybe it wasn't that hard for them to go, oh, shit, we get to kill him now? Great. <laughs> I've been yeah. waiting for this. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I, that, that is something that uh, that I've been thinking about for a long time. Is just like, you know, oh, gosh, all the clones, all the clones were Django Fett, who was a fucking Mandalorian. Holy cow. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's pr it's pretty fascinating, uh, and I and and I, I absolutely adore the fact that um, uh, the, all of these all of these revelations, which we you know, it, it, the they don't really stop the story for very long to to tell you this because you know stuff has to happen, and uh, here come the dark troopers, and uh, the Razor Crest gets blown up, and I mean, there's just some wonderful. You know, we we rarely get a chance to catch our breath before things are happening again. Yeah. Uh, which is which is of course the Star Wars way of telling a story, as you've mentioned uh, before. Um, I just um, I, I think more than anything, we have been sort of. I, I know I know I have. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I I suspect that there have been a lot of people that have been watching the Mandalorian and going, okay, so that's how Boba Fett's stuff would work. Oh, it's really cool to see the, 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 um, the, the blossoms coming out of the wrist. And, oh, it's really fun to watch. He's got the flamethrower and, you know, and we knew these things were on Boba Fett's armor, but we never really got to see him. But this was, this felt like a pretty good catcher's mitt, you know, like it's a second yeah. place, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but then, but then to actually have Boba Fett show up and go, no, this is how it works. Let me show you, let me show you some cool shit. Here's some things you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you read the operating manual. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. That was a wonderful, 
again, yeah, you're right. It is the it was the Boba Fett moment we never got. Mm-hmm. It was the Boba Fett moment we never got. And by the way, this is going to be a recurring theme. This <laughs> shows these shows are going to be all about great character moments that we never got from the movies, or or maybe thought maybe felt after the fact like we should have gotten them and did. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So chapter 15, The Believer, um, at the end of the tragedy, both, as as Mark said, the Razor Crest is destroyed, but more importantly, Grogu is taken by the Dark Troopers, taken back to Moth Gideon. He is captured. He is put into a prison, very similar to Princess Leia's little setup, um, the way they the way they introduced that moment, um, and, and, and bound with these manacles that prevent him from using his powers. It's, it's just, it's heartbreaking, poor little guy. But in The Believer, the Mandalorian uh, breaks out Mayfield, and... Um, and uses that Imperial sharpshooter to help him with Boba and uh, to, to, to go in and work uh, to infiltrate a hidden factory, um, uh, Imperial factory, uh, disguised as Imperial troopers to discover Moff Gideon's whereabouts. That's their goal. That's their mission here. Yep. The most important part of this episode is the moment where Din is forced to remove his helmet in order to access the terminal with Gideon's coordinates. Now, yeah. he looks like someone with Asperger's. He looks like someone so unaccustomed to exposing himself. He feels vulnerable. He's, 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 he's not focusing on anyone. He's, he's nervous. He's, his armor is literally and figuratively his armor without it. He's exposed the way that, that Pedro decided to play those moments, um, which I really, as an actor, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like literally when he would turn his head unmasked, when he turned his head to look at somebody, he would turn his entire body just like he was wearing the armor still. He would turn right. his whole, his whole, he would shift himself back and forth instead of casually like anyone else would turn their head and whatever. He was right. so encased, he was still in the armor, but he was not. Yeah. That moment though is, is so telling of his character, what he's willing to do for Grogu, what he's mm-hmm. willing to break. And we're getting, we're talking about a zealot who mm-hmm. doesn't do this. Yeah. So his love for the child, you know, is 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 all encompassing. And it yeah. ends with this fantastic threatening message to Moff Gideon, kind of like taken, but more more twisting Moff Gideon's own words back to him. Oh, so oh, they're they are yeah. word for word what yeah. Moff Gideon said. You don't word know what word. you have there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the most important thing to me, which yeah. you have. Yeah. It's a, lo- I, it's a it's a good episode, <clears throat> but it it is really for me, it's all about that moment where he takes the helmet off. Oh, absolutely. I loved uh, Bill Burr's character in season one, and it was great to see him come back in season two. (laughs) I also really liked how they each revealed a a vulnerability about themselves. They both, you know, Bill Burr, as the the former Imperial sharpshooter, uh, has armor, too, until he sees his old commander. That's right, and we and, and we know that, and, and you know, of course, uh, we we laugh about the faceless drones of the Empire, but they weren't all clones, man. Yeah. There were a lot of them that had had feelings and friends and families, and uh, uh, watching, uh, having the two of them have to reveal something about themselves. It's not a friendship, mm-hmm. but I like that there's a mutual respect. As far as I'm concerned, you never took the helmet off, right? Right. right. As far as I'm concerned, you died uh, in the explosion. Mm-hmm. Right. Both. Great moments. Oh, and 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 one other thing. Uh, again, I want to say thanks to the two of them for answering the question of what happens if you take a speeder bike uh, uh, straight off a cliff in the midair. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I've always wondered, like, I, you know, they hover. 
uh, how big is the hover? I'm just curious, <laughs> right? How how high can we go with this? Well, you know what? Let's find out because I've got right. a troop transport that I want to drive, uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll have some speeder bikes chase it. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. I'm excited to be a part of this plan. Yeah. Uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, set pieces and action sequences, but uh, uh, very uh, much shades of, of 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 Raiders. I saw with yeah. Indy taking over the Ark truck, and the other yes. one's trying to catch the Ark truck. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of those moments in that. There, kind of there's a, on the top a, a wonderful amount of uh, I won't. It's I don't think it's a name check, but but they know they know the sacred spaces that they're inhabiting, don't they? You know, yeah. like oh, they, yeah. they they know we're gonna know, and so there's no need to. He doesn't need to have a whip, and he doesn't need to kick the guy out over the grill right. to to reference and go and go. Oh, cool. That's like the thing from from that thing. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Oh, absolutely. So, Slave One back in action. Boba Fett with the brand new paint job on his armor. Oh yeah, uh, it looks good. Joins, uh, yeah, he, he he got in he got in that ship. He's like, thank God, I get to paint this thing again. Um, <laughs> he, he gets um, with Mandalorian and of course Bo-Katan and her Mandalorian warriors, and they go and they uh, go to rescue Grogu, yep. defeating Gideon's dark troopers. Oh my God, those things are terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And having that great battle with Gideon on the on the transport with the dark saber versus the Beskar spear, but uh oh, he won, which that means he's the rightful owner of the dark saber. So yeah. when unfortunately this is going to be something for season three, I think when oh it's yes. got to be yeah, yeah totally. when Din tries to give it back to Bo-Katan and she can't take it and love Gideon's giggling like a maniac going he she can't take it because <laughs> he knew and i knew and you guys know because you watch clone wars you know when darth maul killed pre vizsla and took the dark saber from him he had to do it during combat so yeah. that's the way it works yeah um otherwise it's just a, a, a glowy sword it means nothing so you have to yeah. earn it yeah. but of course the showstopper the end of all ends on seasons grogu's call was heard yeah. By a Jedi. Oh yeah. Oh look, the, look, 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 look an X-wing. Jedi, look, an X-wing. Just, yeah. oh, just one X-wing. Oh, we're saved. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, so I had spent the last several days doing nothing but watching uh, uh, reaction videos of of various Star Wars fans watching that episode, watching that moment, and and without exception, without exception, there is. There are screams and cheers and and sometimes sobbing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, this is this is you don't have to be. Maybe you do. You know, because a lot of the time they're predicting, right? They're predicting what a response would be. But certainly after the fact, it's easy to see the the emotion, the passion, uh, how much people care about the story, the setting, these characters. Um, and so when, when they are disappointed by something, and there's a lot of vitriol, we've sort of trained ourselves that, oh, that's what the internet's all about, right? It's people bitching about what they didn't get. Uh, and, and certainly that is true. Um, but, but there's also, there's also, what is also true is that it's people bitching about what they didn't get because something was handled badly. Um, is, this, is this your rant? Are we going rant? Oh, not, not quite full rant okay. yet, but I, I'm building up to it. 
All right. I, um, I want to make sure that the audience can get a, a good rant alert <laughs> when it when it's about to start. Yeah, give them the alert like when 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 uh, Luke's uh, X-wing came in. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> rant rant. Identify rant. yourself. <laughs> yeah. So so you know here's here's basically what I have to say about that. Uh, again, this is the Luke Skywalker that fans had been waiting thirty plus years to get. Uh, right there, that that was the moment. That was the moment um, because we have been the, the Star Wars fans have spent decades reading comics and tie-in novels and a bunch of stuff that has Luke running around as a powerful Jedi doing really cool Jedi things. Yeah. Um, the 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 majority of the audience, right? That one that the only canon for them are the movies uh, and maybe the TV shows if they watch them. Um, that's it. There, there's there's nothing else. What 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 is there of Luke? There is the original trilogy, and there's what you saw of him in, for all practical purposes, episodes uh, eight and nine, because he really mm -hmm. didn't was in seven. Okay, so when fans have been waiting that long to see this moment, and it was very much a replay of Vader scene from Rogue One, right? Um, and again, that's not an accident. They're they're telling you like father like son. Yeah. Um, these are these these two people are of the same bloodline. They're cut from the same cloth. Uh, they react to things the same way with with a lot of passion, often too much passion um, and with verve and with conviction. Um, they don't they're not the kind. And I, and I really don't I really don't want to turn this into a, a slamming on Last Jedi. That we're, I'm past that. I'm past that. Um, but but but. If you give the audience what they want and then give them a different perspective on something or like if we had had an entire three seasons of and there is a rumor now, or at least there's a push for for the, the new Jedi Academy series. Right. Uh, we want now a series casting Sebastian Sand as a young uh, Luke Skywalker showing us him going around the galaxy recruiting New Jedi starting the academy, seeing what he's doing, how is he doing the training, mm -hmm. introducing a very young Kylo Ren, what are the missteps he makes with Kylo Ren. Um, if we see all that, and then and then you've given us three, four, five episodes, five seasons of that, then maybe everything in The Last Jedi makes a lot more sense. And we all understand it. We all go... Yeah, you know what? No wonder he went into self uh, uh, self-imposed exile. My God, look, he lost Grogu. He loved Grogu. He lost this uh, beloved student. He lost that beloved student. He had sworn to protect all of them with his life, and he failed. And I mean, yeah, gosh, I can I can maybe see that guy finally just just losing every bit of hope he had. And running off to some some distant planet and not wanting to have to do anything with the force again, it would make sense. It would. I can buy it now. I can buy it now because I've seen those five seasons showing me what Luke tried to do, and then ultimately was devastated because he didn't get there. Hmm. So I buy it. I buy it. But but you can't just give me the end, right? It's 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 the Game of Thrones argument. It's saying. Oh, by the way, Daenerys went totally crazy in that last episode. And I'm like, wait, what? No, no. You have to give me a whole season of Daenerys descending more and more into madness. And I will fight anybody and I will prove it with science. 
that no, no, Daenerys is not shown to be going mad in the series. It's bullshit. It was bullshit when they first said it. It's bullshit now. She <laughs> was not going mad. Now, could she have gone mad? Absolutely. Absolutely. She is her father's daughter. He went mad. Targaryens go mad. I can totally buy that story. So it's not the end that I'm object to. It's the path to get me there right. that has to be right. Same, I, uh... same thing with this. I don't mind Luke running off and being a hermit on some planet where he milks sea cows. Fine. <laughs> but but get me there. Don't just tell me that's what he did. Last thing we see is him triumphantly uh, 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 redeeming his father and ending the, the empire. And then the next thing we know, he's fucking milking alien sea cows and running away from everything. What the fuck? What happened? <laughs> All right. I think I, uh, we're about to find out. I, I, I hope think, so. Uh, well, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh, wet the bed here just a little bit. Oh, are, are you gonna fight me? Are you gonna fight me? I'm not. No, I'm not gonna fight you. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just simply say that this was for me the the only misstep. Uh, as excited as I was to see uh, Luke in action. Uh, it was a visceral excitement uh, because I knew what it meant to everybody else. I would have preferred they use any other Jedi. Really? And, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. Well, okay. because for the last 15 and a half hours worth of show, we've been on, we've been in the Outer Rim. We've been as far away from the main characters as you can get. And as a result, uh, we've got almost everything we've seen is new or new to us or interesting or whatever, but there's been a real, uh, it's been, it's been a real pleasure to explore other avenues of all of this. And so I get why they used him. Uh, I just would have wished they had used any other Jedi, because they could still do the story you're saying, Aaron. Um, there doesn't have to be, we don't have to see that handoff in this show. Uh, we could see that the, the same, a, a different Jedi could say, uh, uh, someone's rebuilding the Jedi temple. I'll take him there. And now we don't have to have Luke in this show, but we go, oh, yeah. That, 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 see, that does the same heavy lifting, gives me a Jedi I've never seen before. And the one that, oh, I just hate it. It's, it's only a few seconds. So I'm not, I'm not, it does, I'm not dinging the episode for it. But when R2D2 pops in and, and makes R2D2 noises, to me, that was the exact same as having Boba Fett look at the camera in the special edition, right? Uh, it was very like they're, they're, he didn't need to get off the ship. Come on, well we didn't need to see R two D two. I get why they did it. I wish they didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. and, yeah, and I don't know. I, I think I think that's kind of I think that's a little uh, um, a little cynical. And and here's why. I, I Luke, when they say we're going to call a Jedi, really there's not a lot of Jedi out there. In fact, Luke, as far as I know. Not Ahsoka. She said because she couldn't do it. There's other another another Jedi that I can think of, and and if you watch the end of Rebels, you know he's not available currently. So 
who else could it have been? Yeah. There, you know, it had to have been the most powerful Jedi right now currently in the galaxy, the the, the high midichlorian count Skywalker family. You got to yeah. have, that's the only one who's going to pick that signal up and go, oh shit, I got to get over there. And R2 yeah. didn't bother me because, well, think about him on Bespin. Did R2 have to come with him on Bespin? No, but that's his buddy. He's like, I'm yeah. coming with you. Yeah. I, I popped out of the deck scene. I'm going to come with you. Now, mind you, you're going to do some fighting, so I'm going to hold back a bit until all the fucking Darth Troopers are dead. Then I'll come up and be, because I'm R2-D2. <laughs> I, I just kind of like the, the the Skywalker R2-D2 relationship. Yeah. relationship yeah. Which yeah. is why, which is why in when it's revealed in that new trilogy, when Luke has disappeared and R2 is like a, a husk, literally a husk, he's not even alive. He's just sitting there. He went blank after Skywalker disappeared. It's almost the same kind of love that Poe has for for BB-8, that Luke and R2 have this relationship. R2 is who pulled Luke into this whole thing to begin with, with a message. Yeah. R2. Yeah. So they have this bond. So I'm yeah. okay with R2 and Luke palling around together. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I kind of liked it. I, I actually, I, I think it's important uh, for, for a couple of reasons. But first and foremost, they knew. They knew, Filoni and Favreau knew the reaction that fans would have the moment they did this. Right. Uh, I don't care how cool another Jedi would have been. I don't care if they had spent an entire episode building up a new Jedi, showing what how cool the Jedi was. There is no moment that was going to compare right. to the moment of putting Luke Skywalker in that scene, fighting like a death machine. In and his coming, prime. Coming and getting getting Grogu. There's, there's just no way there's no new character they possibly could have come up with. You know, it is, it is to me, it is like seeing Boba fighting in his full right. armor, using the full complement of weapons as yeah. described by Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, you're, you're right. And, uh, I don't, uh, um, uh, again, it was, uh, it was a nitpick for me. Okay. Uh, I may be the only one, uh no I know I'm not I know there's other people uh the thing is is uh I even though I, I and and Joseph to call me cynical I accept your decision right <laughs> like I, I'm absolutely okay with it in this case yeah uh but that said I could still be excited yeah for what it was in the moment right like you know I mean there there was a, there was a sense of wonder like I can't believe they're doing this. Oh wow! I mean, that was it was real. Uh, you know, it was shock and awe. Really, um, it was only after I watched the end. Uh, you know, as I'm sitting there and the credits are rolling, I'm thinking about it, and uh, I'm thinking about it, and I'm and I'm like, <sighs> okay, so yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. I just th this is the first time we'd seen like you know that Luke comes with a lot of baggage sure you know fan and otherwise yeah. and um and if that was if that was the intention great uh and 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 i certainly uh am not the only fan that that they have to appease right. so uh, so i'm okay with it but but i i stand by my I stand by my opinion. I would, I, I would have rather it been somebody else. I, right. and, and by the way, the other, the other reason. So the other reason that it's important to do this goes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. If they are, and I believe that's what they're doing. If they are sewing together all of these various Star Wars shows, movies, etc., into one rich tapestry, you almost have to have Luke in this scene. 
because that closes that thread, that weaves that thread through the series. Now, because we know, now we know what happens with Luke. We know what happens to his academy. We know what the sequel movies are all about. And now we know that Luke picks up Grogu, a beloved character, powerful in the Force, and he goes off to that academy. So yeah. already now you are creating a potential story that you would not necessarily have had. And again, you're right. Some random Jedi could have shown up and said, hey, there's some a, a Jedi master starting a new temple. I'm going to go take him there. But yeah, I, I assure you, that's that's the difference between you finding out that you you you're going to go to dinner with with, you know, one of your one of your icons and the doorbell rings and you open the door and it's a driver <laughs> saying, hey, I'm here to take you yeah. to go to go have dinner with your icon. No, yes. you open the door and there's your icon. And he's right. saying, hey, how's it going? Pleasure to meet you, Mark. And you're and like, holy cow! Can we, can we also just really briefly admire the technical wizardry? I, I wasn't bothered by, by young Luke. It didn't throw me. I didn't go, well, that's a CG guy. I, I mean, you know, it was, but it really was very, very, very good. It didn't take me out of the story. No, it didn't um, take me out of the story. It, it, was, uh, it was Mark Hamill. His face, at least, de-aged the way they can do these types of things. The yeah. body double was played by Max Lloyd Jones, so yeah. not obviously not Mark Hamill's you know pudgy little body currently, right. uh, but but a very very well done deep fake to make it you know to make Luke Skywalker in his prime. And yeah, let's I, also I be amazed. I think the technology is getting constantly better and better oh, yeah. and better and better. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm also uh, amazed at the fact that no, it did not leak out that Hamill did this. Yes. You know, months ago. Yeah. No, I, I saw an interview. Yeah. I saw an interview with John Favreau yesterday where he was like, he was giddy. He was just giggling yeah. because he said it was, they tried so hard to not let this leak anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Right. Nobody right. would talk about this. Yeah. Um, and of course, he's delighted. He's delighted with the response. A 9.9 rating for that episode, the highest of any of the other Mandalorian episodes. Yeah. Um, and so, again, as fan service, yes, absolutely, it was fan service, but it was glorious fan service. <laughs> I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna do fan service, uh, you know, I, I I'm prepared to basically give them a pass because they didn't do anything. They didn't pander for the other for the for the other 15 and a half episodes, right? Right. Right. So. So this was uh, if if you're gonna if you've got one one get out of jail free card, spend <laughs> it on spend it on Luke Skywalker. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's the and Skywalker the way, bump, baby. It's the Skywalker and by the bump. Way, I even love when, the Skywalker when it, bump. Yeah, when it was Skywalker, and again, this is just a, 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 a giving credit to the amazing writing of the show. When he appeared, he was so subtle. It wasn't like I'm Luke Skywalker, a Jedi Knight. No. He sat there and Mando says, are you a Jedi? And he simply says, I am. I am. That's it. And then he holds his hand out and he says, come little one. And then the rest of the conversation is about Mando and Krogu. And he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. You know, and he says, moment. He, wait, he needs, he wants your permission. So the scene, even though we just saw him kick ass for fucking five minutes, that scene was not about Luke and Grogu. That's right. That's right. So let's go there because I, I really wanted to touch on that before uh, uh, Maximilian throws us out. All right. Mando takes his helmet off again. Yep. And he does it for Grogu this time. And yep. if I'm not mistaken, 
this is the first time Grogu has seen his face. Yes, that's right. That's right. And think about how long it has been since another living creature touched his face. Oh, yeah. Being a zealot and living in that in that bucket. By God, just the waterworks that, you know, the emotion of that moment to have him say, you know what, I'm taking this off. I want you to see my face and and, and for Grogu to put his hand on his cheek and just stare at him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, and, and, and I'm reminded tears were of, flowing. Tears I'm were reminded flowing. Of, of Werner Herzog in season one when they were considering using a CGI thing. And he said, you are cowards. You must use the puppet. And he was right. It, yeah. it physically have it there is. Yeah, yep. it's 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 an animatronic. But you know what? Oh, my God, it works. It yep. works. That moment was so glorious. Absolutely. And and again, as an echo, as an echo to things that we have seen, you know, Lucas was was very fond of saying, right, that 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 history rhymes, that history rhymes. And then he kept repeating that when he was working on the other films. But the echo to Vader saying, mm-hmm. I w- let me see you with my own eyes. Uh, and and him taking the helmet off and him looking at Luke, that that moment's not lost on me. It's not lost on other Star Wars fans. Um, and when Grogu reaches out and touches him, and fucking Pedro Pascal closes his eyes, oh, holy yeah. cow! Yeah. Waterworks, waterworks. Mm-hmm. And that they could make me feel this way about a goddamn puppet. Yep. I yep. mean, yeah, that, that they're smart. They succeeded. This is successful. There is not a there is not a Star Wars fan that I know of. There probably are, but there's not a Star Wars fan that I've seen that said, "Yeah, that was crap. I hated all that. That was crap." No, no. P- if, if folks who loved the Last Jedi really liked this. Folks who hated the Last Jedi really liked this. It's yeah, like, it's just pretty unilateral. We can all like. agree. We can all agree. Hey, finally, a really great Star Wars show. Wow. Yep. More, please, more. And, and now, so now we're getting Ahsoka, the series. We are getting a Boba Fett, at least one episode, one season oh, of Boba oh, Fett. Oh, 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 before, you, before you keep going, before you keep going, allow okay. me. Ladies and gentlemen, opinions expressed by Aaron D'Arrive do not necessarily reflect the Lobot Lounge, gentlemen nerds, or <laughs> any other living human being. And now, rant. <laughs> No, so yeah, we're getting the Obi Wan uh, TV series, which they have confirmed. Hayden Christensen is coming back as Darth Vader. So talk about oh, they shouldn't bring the legacy characters. No, they're bringing the legacy characters back. Yep, they are. Um, and so I, I, and, and now there's a push. Not that I say they have not confirmed this, but now there's a push for a new Jedi Academy series. Why not? You've got Sebastian Stan. You've seen the kind of fan interest and reaction there is to a young Luke Skywalker doing cool Luke Skywalker things. Why why would Disney not want to milk that cash cow? Talk about milking alien cows. This is the cow they want to milk. Milk that cash cow. Jedi babies. You're right. Give us a show (laughs) about young Luke Skywalker played by Sebastian Stan with a little bit of of, 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 of CGI on the face um, and give us five seasons of that showing what they're doing, who they're recruiting, who they're talking to adventures. They can go on, you know, clashes with the new Republic. Uh, I mean, there's just so much story. This is what Disney paid 
whatever, $2.3 billion for. That's what they paid. They paid for that. They didn't pay so they could fucking keep repackaging the original movies over and over again on new formats. I know, I know. I just, uh, I I want, uh, I, I, I was, I was really, I feel like I'm spoiled with these first two seasons. And honestly, uh, the third season of Mandalorian interests me for the, the dangling plot threads, but not as much as Boba Fett crime Lord on Tatooine interests me. Right. Uh, that right. sequence, that King Conan style, yes. uh, <laughs> takes the throne sequence at the end of, uh, at the, at the, at the end of the credits was, Absolutely. uh, was was such a money shot straight for me. out of king conan straight out of king conan was, I, mean, I, just, I love how uh corpulent bib fortuna looks sitting on that throne gigantic yeah. leku wrapped around oh, him like yeah. anaconda fat and big bulbous he's been jaw. eating well he's been eating yeah. very well <laughs> all those frogs he's just been eating frogs the entire time Oh, maybe no. maybe that chair turns you into a hut eventually. <laughs> it could be. You yeah, know? That, uh, that yeah, could be it. There is so much promise, guys. Uh, there's this Ahsoka series. So they're going to pursue the plot lines with Ahsoka and eventually Ezra and, and Grand Admiral Thrawn. And, I mean, they Disney has invested a shit ton of money. And now they are probably going to rake it in hand over fist. Yeah. By all of these different series and all the affiliated marketing and products and toys. And it's, I mean, it's pretty interesting that next year, uh, everything that we're going to be talking about is going to be Marvel series. Yeah. Uh, and we're yeah. not going to, we're not going to get a star Wars series until late next year at the earliest. Yeah. Uh, and so if, if this is their setup where we, we alternate Marvel and star Wars, <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm yeah. all right with that. No, I, I am, I am fine with any, at this point, I'm fine with anything that, that John Favreau and Dave Filoni want to throw at me. If they want to do a fucking Ewok series, I would watch that goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, if they wanted to do the Jar Jar story, I would watch oh, no, that goddamn yeah. oh, movie. My God. oh, I would. I would. Nitpick, because I trust these two. I, would, trust, yeah. I trust these two now to do anything in Star Wars, and I bet it'll be, it'll be interesting. Well, well oh, Filoni handled Jar Jar well in the Clone Wars. I thought he did exactly what he needed to do with him, and then he, he yeah. shuffled them off to the side. Yeah, uh, I, thought he did. I also, I, you probably have seen it already, that uh, the third executive producer on the Boba Fett series, mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez. Yes, oh, nice. And my, nice. Fr- and the first thing I thought of the, f- I mean, like the very first thing I thought of was, um, El Mariachi and Desperado. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfectly suited for it. If and he's going to, if he's going to turn Tatooine or if he's going to turn Moss Eisley into a border town, Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant. This is this is the exciting thing too, right? They can start getting these talented directors involved. They can dangle these series out there and go, hey, hey, do you want to do this Star Wars series? Do you want to do this Marvel series? And directors can go, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> of course Dan- I want to do that. Danny Trejo. Yeah, I'm, okay. call, I'm calling that shot. He'll, yeah. He he will make an appearance in, oh, of course, uh, in the Bubba Fett. Machete guaranteed. in space. Guaranteed. Yeah, Machete in space. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, machete doesn't use That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, machete does not use the force. Machete does not use the force. 
The future um, looks. Yeah. The future looks very bright, gentlemen. The future looks very, very bright. I'm 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 staring at a picture right now on my computer of Bib Fortuna sitting in that throne before he's shot and removed by Boba Fett, and I, a, a detail that I just love. I love the freaking art directors on these shows. On the each arm of the throne is a carved Rancor monster. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely a rancor on each side of the throne, which is ideal. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, we 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 did it, and did. Uh, it's. I think I think Aaron speaks for us all when he says the future is very bright. I, I'm. I couldn't imagine the plethora of of treats we got from the Mandalorian season two, and yeah. um, if you haven't yet. Well, sorry, we just spoiled it all for you. But if you haven't yet, <laughs> um, do take do take a dive. It's worth it. Uh, binge it, watch it, love it. It is. If you have had any hesitations, if you did, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> why? Why would you? Because yeah. um, as we said earlier, it always comes back to Star Wars. That's yeah. right. Yep. The Gentleman Nerds is a cloak and dagger production. And written by Aaron Diarive, Mark Finn, Ben Gibbs, and Joseph Fotinos, with additional material provided by Pre Vizsla and the texts, the sacred Jedi texts. <laughs> Music composed and performed by the amazingly talented Ben Gibbs. Catering by Jawa Tribe. Ooh, Titi! You gotta love those mudhorn eggs. Promotional material, logos, and the Gentleman Nerds mascot created by artistic goddess Michelle Fitzpatrick. The Lobot Lounge Bank bouncer is Maximilian, and our special guest bartender was Queequay. Thank you, Queequay. Our sound editor, mixer, and intentional producer is Ben Gibbs. Our executive producer, the man we all pray never gets superpowers, is Aaron Diarive. The Gentleman Nerds attorney is Dr. Gonzo. Lobot Lounge sculptures by Walter Paisley. Lobot Lounge fish tanks maintained by Namor and Curry. Custom saltwater fish tanks for exclusive and discriminating tastes. <laughs> the Great Pit of Carcoon was the nesting place of the all-powerful Sarlacc, in whose belly you are slowly digested over a thousand years, unless you have knee rockets. Ahsoka <laughs> Tano was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Clancy Brown portrayed the, De the Devaronian Berg in season one of Mando. And Mark Farnash is still the man in the gorilla suit. We have hosting by Blue Host, Tiger Training by that bitch Carol Baskin. Join us in the Lobot Lounge when next we open... And please, when we can, always tip your bartenders and your waitstaff. We will get through this. Be safe, be smart, take care of yourselves and each other. This episode of The Gentleman Nerds dedicated to Mr. David Prowse and Mr. Jeremy Bullock. Yes. I'm Joseph Otinos, reminding you all, once again, that Red Skull lives and... McClunky! Training, it I just know. kills oh, me every bitch. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have been my.
my favorite credit. That has to be my, by that bitch, Carol. <laughs> I, I I feel, Joseph, like that was a longer one than normal because you've been saving them up. <laughs> I, I, I have. It's been a while. And I was oh, like, that oh. was genius. That was genius. Oh, my God. Uh, hey, it, I, it didn't it didn't record. Can we start at the top again? What? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Nothing. I'll I'll try to have it up for Christmas. (laughs) Bye. Okay.